All right, welcome back to uh, the Pat's Pints podcast. It's uh, summer right now, which means lots of fun things to do outside and a little bit hard to lock yourself away in the basement for a recording session. Yeah, so definitely a good time of the year for some pilsners. Absolutely. This is the time of year pilsners were made for, I would say. Yeah, enjoying a pool party pilsner right now. Nazdrave. Nazdrave. I have to say that is drinking really good. I think this beer has gotten better every year, and I, I think you guys have totally got it dialed in now. It's a summer crusher. So speaking of Pilsners, what about Czech Pilsners, Pat? Yeah, we're going to go back into the archive uh, for an unreleased Pat's Pints podcast that we recorded in the spring of 2018 on Czech Pilsners. And that was right after you had visited the Czech Republic. That's right. At that time, I was still on sabbatical in Britain, and I had uh, not too long before that gone into Prague for a great uh, weekend stay. Now, since that time, you, more recently than me, have been to Prague, right? That's right. I was just in Prague and also Pilsen, yep. where I went to the Fountainhead. The source, the Erkvel of That's right. Pil- all Pilsners. That's right. So we get to talk to Hans a little bit as we go back in time. A year ago. That's right. Well, Hans is a big Pilsner fan. He knows a lot about it. And he had also been to Prague maybe a a year before me. Let's get into it without further ado. And then at the end, we'll come back and uh, you can fact check everything we said about Prague with your most recent experience. Well, hey, let's take a listen. Here we go. See you on the flip side. And joined once again by our good friend, Hans Gorsuch. Happy to be back. And we're joined by the venerable Pat Woodward of Pat's Pines Podcast. And of course, Mark Richards, the cultural ambassador for Land Grant Brewing. This episode, we're going to be talking about Czech Pilsners. If you're going to talk Pilsners, you got to start with the Pilsner, Pilsner Raquel. Good one. I'm a fan. I'll yeah. just say it straight up front. And I'll just say also right at the beginning that in the Czech Republic, Pilsner Raquel is the only thing that's called a Pilsner. So the others, the other beers of this style, Budvar, for example, is not called a Pilsner. What do we call them? Ah, it would be called a Svetli Lezak. I'm not going to repeat that. <laughs> Aren't you glad you asked? <laughs> yeah. So Czech beer, the vocabulary of Czech beer is kind of simple. There's one word for the color, either Svetli, which is pale, or Tamave, which is dark. Or if you have an amber, then it's called Polo Tamave. Love it. And Very then, nice. And then there's, there's a second word, which is the strength. So the, the, the weakest beers are called Vesepni. Something like that. Okay. And then, and then the, the medium strength beers, like this is probably a 12 Plato beer, 0.4% or something. That's going to be a Lezak. And then if they get stronger, they're called Spezial. Excellent. So enough. We, we've already gone on. And it, we've got the run and here. And Urkel is like original, like from the source. Yes. So Pilsner, like the original, yes. the source of the, of the Pilsner. Absolutely. Urkel, that means yeah. Yeah, original. Yeah, Urkel. And aptly named. Yeah. If you're going to get Pilsner or Kell in the U.S., for God's sake, don't get the green bottle. And the cans are beautiful. They've got the retro, old-style labels and marketing that they used to have, and they've recently released those in the last couple of years. I mean, it's fantastic kind of branding they've got on these cans. And there's like two different styles in the four-pack. Really, there were long periods of time where you couldn't really experience Pilsner or Kell because all you could get was those green bottles. Skunked out, light strip. Yeah. All right. Well... Nazdravi. 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 
So when I was in the Czech Republic, I went to Prague, and then we'll get into it a little bit later. I went out to Pilsner Kell. Every single beer, regardless, always at least two fingers of head. This is an awesome beer, and I have to like divulge that this is in my fridge right now. Okay. Like this is a beer that like I drink. So on the nose, what are we saying? I'm saying hops and honey like malt character. Good spicy yeah. hop, and mm-hmm. you're right. Uh, there's and this a honey would be, This is Zatop. I mean, everybody yeah. knows this, right? It's almost the only hop they use in the Czech Republic. Yeah. Well, that's that's a little bit of an exaggeration, but 90% of the hops you see in the Czech Republic are sots. And important to say that every ingredient in this beer comes directly from the country. They don't import anything for this. Mm-hmm. So, so the hops, the water, the grain. And you watched, I think you saw, but they malt their own too. They don't just buy malt. They buy the grain raw. That's right. Pilsner Kell has their own malting facility. That's spectacular. And in fact, you could even say this style, the Pilsner style comes about because of advances in malting. In the old days, almost every brewer would have their own maltster and their own brewer. And and the maltster was like more important than the brewer. So that was a more mm-hmm. prestigious uh, thing That's to cool be the to think about actually. Yeah, interesting. It's about the raw ingredients, you know. It's got a lot of flavor both in the malts and the hops. I drink a German Pilsner and sometimes people say Czech beers are hoppier, but I just think that's the wrong way to think about it. I think it's just the, the malt is fuller in a Czech Pilsner. Yeah, and albeit seemingly dry, there's a good amount of sweetness yeah, that's uh, right. So, the so they'll say on a German pills that a German pilsner will be lighter in color yes. and likely drier. I think that's so, accurate. So, yeah. so if we're like trying to suss out those two, so that's just a testament to Czech pills being right. sweeter than like German pills and others. Although, yeah. if I could interject a little bit, yeah. I think it may be not even correct to say Czech pills versus German pills because I think pilsner or Kell. Ah, if yeah, you yeah. drink, if you drink Bud Bar, yeah, uh, or Budweiser, depending you know, on yeah. what country you're receiving it yeah, in legally, right. then it's it's going to be dry like a German one. And, uh, and also, uh, Bud Bar does this. Well, I won't say it's crazy, but kind of an extreme thing. They lager for ninety days, whereas Pilsner Kell lagers for four weeks. Okay, so okay. Uh, but they feel that it makes a difference. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But yeah. so so anyway, I think it, it is partly true about Czech Pilsners, but. Czech Pilsners are also built off of, they're all inspired by this one. You know? Well, it's a rich flavor. I mean, it, really it is. definitely is for a and, light beer. And um, a pretty, pretty deep, well, I don't know if you would call it deep. It's definitely golden. It's golden. Like, it's yeah, a yeah. deep golden. Yeah, it's, yeah I it's would not, say. Yeah. Now, here's the thing. That richness and also the color, I mean, I th- I'm, I'm convincing me that comes from the decoction. Yeah, it's mashing. a triple decoction yeah, match. It's a, it's a triple correct. decoction match. Describe what triple decoction, because that's a thing that I think a lot of people like. That is taking don't some have reference of the, the wort away and bringing it to a boil, and then re-entering that into the rest of the right. mash. Back up even a little bit more for people who have no home brewing experience. When you're when you're trying to get the sugars out of the grain, right? You normally you would let it sit at a certain temperature, mm-hmm. 140, 150 degrees. And, and in the decoction mashing, you do that, but then you draw off a third of it or whatever. You yeah. you boil it, and then when you add it back, it raises the temperature yeah. again. But in that boiling, caramelizes some of that pale malts. Yeah. Yeah. Indeed. So you said honey earlier, Mark, in, in, the, in the nose and taste. And I think that's totally accurate. Like, I think that's not a little thing in this. And it doesn't obviously come from honey actually at all, but... That character is in there, both mm-hmm. in, in the smell and the taste. Yeah, like, from, like, the, and, from the malting and the process, and not yeah. even a little bit. Yeah. Like it's a, it's a, it's a thing, but not cloying because then you get that hop. Yeah. Stop at the end. You know, there's that. There's awesome hot bitterness there. 
I mean, there's a lot of great hops in the world, but if you say, what are your five favorite hops? I'm always going to, one of them is always going to be Sots for me. It's really mm -hmm. one of my, I, it has this kind of characteristic. To me, I get spicy. Uh, a little bit floral, but mostly spicy. By the way, they don't call it Sots hops in the Czech Republic. And what is it called? Uh, Zatek. They probably pronounce it differently, mm -hmm. but they're called Zatek hops. So, Pat, what was your experience of this beer while you were there? Oh, though? yeah. Because that's different than us sitting here and right. drinking this can. I would agree. You've got, I think you've got to start with describing the place. And I've got some yeah. context because yeah. I, I have that experience, too, but I'd like to hear yours. I would say when I was in uh, the Czech Republic, I had it three different ways. And all of them, I think, although I, I enjoy this, but all of them were a little bit better than this. So the one thing, and you also had this, Hans, when you went to Prague is you can get the unpasteurized Pilsner Urquell. Tankovna. And Tankovna pub. So basically, they, they truck it out from the brewery in a refrigerated truck. They fill up a plastic bag that it's kind of like wine in a box. Exactly basically. like and, wine and, in and, a box. And they pressurize it from the outside, not not the inside. So the gas does not interact with the beer once yes. it's left the brewery and before it's poured in your glass. Yeah. That's like a big thing. Yeah. And and it's, it's better. It's a little bit better than this. I'm, this is good, but I think it's a little bit better. Would you agree? Yeah. The only word I can think is fresher and spicier. Like those are the characteristics you get yeah. off of that hops. Like it's spicier. Like it's, you're getting the, the yeah. freshest, most perfect iteration of that beer. Whatever you think of that beer is your, is your opinion. But like in its best possible yes. iteration, yeah. this is how you can get it. So that's the delivery method. But then it even goes farther on how they might pour it for you. Ah, oh, yeah, yeah. Then you get into these different pours. And so, uh, so I, I mentioned before that Czech beer always has a pretty good head on it, but at these Tankovna pubs, you can get the Pilsner Kelp poured in different ways. The extreme being, I think in Czech they called it a Mliko pour or Milko, milk, milk, milk right? pour. It's like no. milk, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. although at, at locale they just it's just called glass full of foam. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be the literal translation. They're dumbing it down for the yeah. American tourists. There's probably there. too many tourists that are like, oh, I'll have the Miko. And they came yeah. up and said, what, oh, yeah. what the hell is Send this? Send this back. Yeah. <laughs> yes. It's all <laughs> so then, Now, why on earth would somebody pour a beer the way every uh, American bartender <laughs> has been trained not to pour it? Yes. There's a reason, right? That's right. Because the spiciness and the hoppiness is more amplified in the foam than it is in the beer. And so what you're supposed to do then is you don't want to let it settle out. You're supposed to, you're supposed to slurp all that foam down before it settles a out, which is, glass. Which is not glass. so easy, actually. I, I didn't make it. I only got, you know, maybe halfway through the glass before it was a regular beer. But there's yeah, something I remember about chuckling at your blog post when you said, oh, yeah, unbeknownst to me, yeah. I needed to really drink that fast. Yeah. Yeah, the locals I, were eyeballing you because yours had settled down he already, had a thimble right? of beer when he started. I'm, 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 I'm like taking pictures of it and holding it up. And you didn't realize the clock was ticking. You know, you know, five minutes later, it looks like the regular kind, you know, except for it was less beer. <laughs> but there's something about air and taste, though. Yeah. There's something about that, right? I found with that specific pour, like... You really get the hot bitterness and, and learn what that yeah. hot bitterness is in a way that you don't at all you yeah. when you have the sweetness and the maltiness of the liquid, like, washing that away. Now, Hans, after your trip, when you came back, you were talking about that quite a bit, and you tried it at the uh, World Beer Gateway. Yep. Similar experience? 100%. Same experience? 100%. Yeah. The only difference is, obviously, it's not a, it wasn't as a fresh product to start with. Sure, sure. Right? But the pour... It, that you can totally get the experience nice. with that. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. It's definitely worth uh, checking out because I think it's going to be a little fresher than the, the canned stuff. I know from the literature that they do have Tankovna pubs in London. 
Really? I think there's one in New York. So they do this That's thing very a little bit, I didn't but, know that. but they probably have to ship it on a plane or something yeah. like that. I don't know how much it costs. I can't imagine they're shipping tanks of unpasteurized beer to Columbus, Ohio. But. So it's a thing to experience. Yeah. So that's the milk pour. Yeah. So I went out to Pilsnerka, which is in Pilsen. What it a coincidence. Took, yes. It, took, it probably took a couple hours for me to get out there from Prague. And they have like a basically a pub restaurant there. And so there you can also get unfiltered Pilsnerka. I would love to have that. Which is you know, I didn't nice get the opportunity and, for that. And that also is going to be you know hoppier. And that was really nice. And then when you go on the tour, probably is the best brewery tour I've ever been on. And I've been on a lot you of brewery tours. You have been on a lot yeah. of brewery tours. That says a lot. But at the end, you go down... In these tunnels, I think there's something like nine kilometers of tunnels that they dug back in the day. And that's where they used to lager everything. I must have seen a hundred barrels of beer that were filled with still lagering down there. On and the I, wall. Uh, hundred barrels of beer. hundred barrels of beer on the wall. We didn't take one down though. And no, there was no They're passing big. around. How, how, how much is in one? These are big barrels. These, are, these aren't like big. wine barrels. These aren't like, these no, are, these are massive. much bigger than yeah. a wine barrel. Maybe, uh. Is it called a truncheon or something like yeah. that? I don't know. It's uh, It probably is about um, five feet high. Yeah. And, uh, wow. you know, I, I couldn't put my arms around it. It's uh, nice. It, yeah. So and you wanted was, to, though, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, picture me hugging the barrel. <laughs> and it was from those that your taster was poured, so, so right? So you go up to the oh, unfiltered beer you can get in the cafe. Got it. But on the tour and down in the caves, put a spigot in the bottom uh-huh. of these barrels and they serve you the unpasteurized, unfiltered beer. Love it. It's as hazy as a New England IPA. Quite a bit of yeast in it, a lot of hops. It, you know, it was really interesting. Is it better than the stuff in the Tankovna pub? It's just different. Czech beer styles are underappreciated in the U.S., I think. If you look at the BJCP guidelines, because I was studying for the exam earlier this year, there's like four styles, and you can only buy one of them in the U.S., which would be this one, which they call Czech Premium Pale Lager. Yep. But there's also the Tamave, the Dark, the lighter strength one than this and then i guess there's probably the the amber the polo tomato look at that so good stuff cool one, the one more thing i want to get in i'm not super sensitive to this taste but sometimes people talk about uh a little bit of diacetyl that's an acceptable note in czech lagers so for people who don't know out there diacetyl is a chemical that has a taste quite a bit like uh, artificial butter it's a little buttery I totally could see that there's a little bit of that uh, in there's here. there's low levels of that. Yeah, mm-hmm. 100%. Just like in every beer style, there are flavors that are deemed bad yeah. when it appears in a certain style and you're seeking it yeah. out when it's in another sure. style. And so part of that is intent. Like, yeah. are you meeting your intent? You know, and the other part is, does it work and do you love it? Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. A little bit could help round out the flavor. So the whole Czech brewing tradition, one of the things that's interesting about it is that because they were like basically a communist country for a long time, there were a lot like in Germany, in Bavaria, they modernized a lot of the brewing. And yet in the Czech Republic, there was still sort of cheap labor and a lot of things didn't get modernized. And now there was I, still floor molten. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, that's right. That's <laughs> absolutely right. And decoction mashing. Mm-hmm. And one of the weird things about Czech breweries, and they have this, they, Pilsner Raquel built a brand new brewery just a few years back. But it has the same thing. It's called a grant. Right? So you transfer from the mash tun to the boil kettle. There are these swan neck valves that oh, drain right, into right, a tray. Right. And, and so basically the, the wort comes out and splashes into this tray and then runs off to the boil kettle. They're aerating in a part of the process where we think we totally don't want That's to right. aerate. Hot side aeration is generally, you know, breweries don't tend to want to do that. Isn't that right, Mark? That is yeah. correct. Uh, like home, home brewers are yeah, taught yeah. not to do that. That's right. and, and here they're going out of their way to do, do it. And, and Budvar, the same thing. So I'm, I think that's a common thing in Czech breweries to do this. And so that that's a, just another kind of a quirky thing, you know, so. I love it. Anyway. Oh, good. Yeah.
Okay, and there you have it. My slightly dated take on the Czech Republic. But Mark, you were there earlier this month, right? I was, and I would have to say slightly dated when you're talking about brewing in 1842. (laughs) I don't think last year is a big difference. (laughs) I don't think a lot has changed, yeah. But maybe there are some things that we didn't touch upon. Uh, What was your experience with Pilsner's other than... The original, I rhapsodized about Pilsner Urquell, and we talked a little bit about Budvar, but I think you maybe got a chance to try a few others. So one thing for certain is that my visit to Pilsner Urquell was also semi-satisfying. I mean, it was a bit of a bit of a haul to get there by bus yeah. uh, in the end of the underground from Prague. And getting back was an adventure. I took maybe too many pictures and screwed around with my phone so much. I was at the end of my battery, so I got the last bus available coming back. (laughs) You wouldn't want to be stranded out in Pilsen. No, and I had uh, intent on going to the Anthrax Slayer concert back in Prague. Wow. So I was really stressed out to get back. I would have to say that visiting the cellaring caves was pretty magical, and having that the old way of brewing down in the caves was, if if anything was worth the trip, getting to taste that beer right off of the fermentation vessel was pretty amazing. Yeah, that's definitely the highlight of the tour, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, without a question, because the rest is just a very um, highly automated large factory. Sure. Yeah. But it's pretty cool to go there. Yeah. It is the source. Now, in the podcast we just talked about, I think I said something like, the beer you get at the Tankovna pubs is a little bit better than what you get in the can here, but I think I might have understated that a bit. Yeah, it's it's actually amazing. And uh, that Milko pour, the milk pour that, yeah. that you guys were talking about, was that was pretty cool. And, you know, I think one thing that I did learn when I was over there, that sometimes that's served when you just don't need that much beer. And that's something that I learned from from a friend I picked up there, Artem, okay. uh, that, that we... Had some beers one one evening. I met him at a uh, beer fest, actually. Uh, real nice guy. Uh, kind of a gypsy brewer in Prague right now. Okay. And he actually uh, helped start one of the first craft breweries in the Ukraine. So Whoa. This that's is, pretty uh, interesting this is company. Yeah, nice guy. So, uh, you know, we talked to each other at the beer fest and thought, well, let's go. Tell him I was in town for the week. And he, he thought it would be a good idea to... Uh, Show me some other Czech beers. Okay. Which um, we went to the Craft Beer Spot Prague, which had a very intimate patio. They only had one rule back there, and they had it posted on a sign, uh, no singing after 2200. <laughs> so, well, the Czechs can get kind of carried away, can't that's they, right. after and a few it beers? Was, it was kind of pinned in in, in a lot of uh, you know apartments or flats, so... I could understand because it was nestled quite nicely between the buildings, but uh, just a pleasant place to have some beers. So, it sounds like the Milko pour is almost kind of like the Czech version of a keto or red zone diet, maybe. Yeah, right, except for it's foam, which... which uh, What could be lighter foam, than foam? It equals less beer. So, yeah, he told me that, that that's kind of a thing. Uh, you know, I heard from one source that it's kind of good for like at the, you know, at the end of a meal. Yeah. Because... You really, you're kind of full. And then also his was, it's kind of, after you've had a long night out and you've already had enough beer sure, and you just want one quick crusher on the way out of the pub, uh, that's kind of a common thing. I well, think, that makes sense. That, that maybe had started that origin. I think it was started in the pubs. Okay. 
Is that going to, you guys going to try and popularize that down at Land Grant maybe? Um, I have poured uh, one Milko pour by request. It was a pool party and I joined them for that and it was great. Now, if any of our listeners were to happen to catch you in the tap room, do you think you would repeat that? I would do it anytime. All right. That's an exclusive for uh, listeners of the Pat's Pints podcast. Other beers that we had that evening, which he said also was uh, kind of brewed in the old style way. So these were not highly filtered beers. Hostimus, you know, it had a light haze to it. You can tell it was not highly processed after brewing and fermenting. That beer's name was Fabian, and it was uh, a 10 degree beer. Okay. Uh, So So that'd make it uh, about three and a half percent. Still in the Lejac range? Yeah, and boy, they went down easy. I mean, (laughs) real easy drinking Pilsner by the half. Um, And then Matuska, they had a 12-degree beer that's about 5%. Also, just very, very good. So there were a couple there that he was really excited for me to try, and I think he knew that they had them on tap at that venue. You were talking a little bit about the Kozel. Yeah, Kozel, what a great beer. And it's kind of reminiscent of Pilsner Kell. And in that vein, sans the diacetyl. You know, it's a little cleaner beer. Um, still has kind of a, definitely a decoct mash taste. Yeah. A, a little bit um, of that. rich, you know, richness rich. to the malt. Um, had a good color to it. And yeah, it was delicious. I really liked that one. It's something that was also widely available in and around Prague and Pilsen, but not when it's really known here in the U.S., to my knowledge. I've never no, seen it here. I don't think I've ever seen it. Now, it's, it's symbol is the goat. Is that right? Kind of like a box That's bear, right. isn't That's it? That's right. Symbol is the goat. Yeah, I don't know. Goats and, and Central European beers, they just kind of go together. I, I think guess. they go together. So when you were there also talking about some other locations to get a beer... The Strahov Monastery, I think uh, you had recommended going there from when you had visited. Uh, That place is amazing. I actually have been there twice. I was at at a Prague conference many years ago, and somebody told me to go up there, uh, my friend Michelle Dolgos. And and so I did, and I was not disappointed. So you, you go up the hill, right? You go to the castle. If you, most people go to the castle when they go to Prague. Yeah. And you keep on walking. Just keep going. There's almost another little town. It seems like up there because there are so many neighborhoods in Prague that you almost seem like you're in another where there's a, uh, uh, what do you call this? The, uh, Marion plots, the, the, uh, town square or whatever. Oh, right. Yeah. I don't know what you (laughs) You I'm talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Call it. Yeah. Uh, what? Yeah. The, the town square, I guess. Town square. Yeah. So. And and there's almost there's kind of like a hillside. I think there might be some vineyards or something they're growing. There on. are actually yeah. when you're on the outside of yeah. the castle. We had lunch there, and one of the beers I had there still is just lodged in my brain. It was a tamave, so it was like an amber, but it had quite a bit of the spicy sots hops, and and also there was a brew kettle in the room where we ate, and they they were mashing in while I was there, so the whole room was filled with the smell yeah. of that floor malted bohemian malts and it just like one of those moments that's special yeah and and the amber was very good also i was there twice in in the six days that i was there (laughs) and why Uh, wouldn't you why would you not uh they have uh pretty good meals there and also the second time i was there was on like a record day of heat in prague since 
like the 1800s, Whoa. early 1800s. How hot was it? Uh, it was like 98 that day. Man, that's pretty hot so it's for pretty a warm. Everybody there thought they were dying. It was warm, you know, <laughs> but it was, we get some hot days here in Ohio sure. as well. I'll tell you that Hefeweizen really hits the spot that they, and they have a good, yeah. a good true Hefeweizen there. Well, it's a monastic brewery, isn't it? And I feel like most monastic breweries, they know what they're doing. Yeah, I kind of question since they opened in 2000 as this brew pub. Some of the beers that they had there were IP. You know, they, <laughs> there were some craft beers that weren't necessarily specifically Czech. Fair enough. Fair enough. And I didn't see anybody brewing in uh, in the Habit or in Robes or anything like no, that. No, no. It seemed like a brew pub to me. But then, um, you know, while we're speaking of a little bit of the darker beers, if you want to go back to a place that's really old, Ufleku. Yeah. Ufleku. And truly old and has yeah. been a continuously a brewery. Since uh, 1499, is that right? 1499. I mean, this place is yeah, 520 years yeah. old. I mean, it is, I think, have a legitimate claim to be the oldest brew pub in the world. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah. It's a cool place. And boy, that beer garden is just amazing there. Open air beer garden. There's so many different rooms. And uh, how many beers did they serve at Ufleku? They had exactly one beer. One beer. It's one not beer. It's not hard to order there. It doesn't have a name. It's just their beer. <laughs> you right. ask for a beer, you get this beer. And it's, it's a dark beer. It is, yeah. Kind of. I, I was thinking of it a, a little bit drier than a dunkel, but sweeter than an Irish stout. It's kind of in that in between. But it's it's a little bit roasty. Yeah. But it does have some sweetness to it. And I would have said like a Sfarts beer mixed with a brown ale. Like it's kind of it's just yeah. in all those veins, yeah. right? It's not really specifically any style that you can name down. It's just the brown beer that they make. Just toasty bread, a little bit of caramel, a little bit of roastiness. It's just. I mean, they've they've had a long time to perfect it. Yeah, and, it, and good beers, and a lot of people go there as a tourist destination. So, I kind of get that they have that thing going. Sure. And they do have very good traditional food there. You know, you can look at it as a tourist trap. It's, uh, it's, a, it's a nice trap to be caught in. And they definitely have amazing food, and you can't deny that it's been around for over 500 years. Yeah. I mean, there are some things that tourists do, and you should still do them. And that's, that's right. That's right. For our listeners who are, you know, happen to be stuck in the middle of the North American continent here in Ohio, if you were looking for something that would quench your thirst for a Czech pills, what kind of uh, what kind of pills would you recommend? Well, I mean, obviously, and I may be a little biased, and I probably have drank the most of any beer this summer is, is pool party, of course. You know, as I said. I think you guys have totally got this beer dialed in, and I think it's got the richness of a Czech Pilsner. So, but it doesn't have Sats hops. What kind of hops do you use in the pool party? Um, we use Pacifica, Wamea, and Wakatu. Okay. That's so, a, that it's kind of a southern hemisphere twist on the Czech Pilsner. But the hops are really light, and I think they harmonize with that sort of Pilsner, yet rounded malt base. Yeah, it's a nice beer. Easy drinker. So... What about that Rock Mill? The Rock Mill Belgian Pilsner? That's yeah. a good one. I was just out at Rock Mill over the weekend. What a great beer. Yeah, I think that's an excellent beer. Um, I might also give a shout out to uh, our guest from a couple of episodes back, Tom Ayers up at Ill-Mannered. They're making some nice lagers up there. I know Hans and I went up, and Hans is pretty picky about his lagers, and he was uh, very complimentary of the cup check lager. So, awesome. Uh, I've never been disappointed in their beers. Yeah, they are definitely spot on. 
And so Wooly Pig, that's another one that's doing some loggers. Yeah, absolutely. Very unique place. If you ever go, I, I mean, still they, need to make a trip up there. I may make it up yet this month. You got to get up there. I mean, it's you can talk about farmhouse brewery this or that, but when you go to Wooly Pig, that is truly a farmhouse brewery, complete with Wooly Pigs, complete with Wooly Pigs. Yeah, and, that's what uh, I heard. Nobody, no other farmhouse brewery that I know of can uh, match that. And they specialize basically in in German styles of beers and uh, make some excellent lagers. They have a Killer Pills, sort of an unfiltered pilsner, and I think. We ought to do an upcoming episode maybe on German pills, and we could really highlight that one. Yeah, it'd be awesome. If you hadn't dropped it on my neighbor's driveway, I would have gotten <laughs> to find out. But the uh, Schwarzbier and um, the, the IPA was... No, it wasn't an IPA. It was an IPL. The IPL, yeah. It was very good. They were both so, good. Sadly, I'll just have to make the trip up there and get it myself, yeah. which isn't that sad. Not sad at all. They do need to work on the um, packaging a little bit. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, you know, another one I haven't had in a, in a year or two, but the, uh, the Great Lakes Turntable Pills, I know was an early Ohio Pills that I thought had a nice, uh, a nice hop spiciness to it. Yeah, I think they're still making that up there, right? Yeah, I think they turned that into a year-round beer. Cool. So, those are some, uh, Ohio brewed Pilsners if, if you want to, uh, check out something a little bit more local, but I think that probably brings us to the end of the episode. Yeah, and if you want to save some money on them. Just go to Prague. It's like a buck fifty a beer, right? <laughs> That's right. I'll yeah. tell you, the Czech crown really works out for the U.S. dollar right now. So very economical. Of course, you got to buy a flight to get over there, but once you do, oh yeah, it's like free living. Well, you know, of course, from here, the airfare does make it hard to make that equation work. But I can tell you, when I was in Britain, it's a very popular place to go for. You know, sort of. Uh, bachelor parties and things like that. Yeah, I can see that. You but get Ryanair to Prague and drink as much as you can. I got to tell you, with some of those cheap city hopper flights uh, in Europe, I think you could do the math on that and make it work out to your benefit still. Yeah, I think Depending it's Depending on how many half liters you can put down <laughs> in a weekend, which I think I proved quite a few. <laughs> well, when it's 98 degrees, you got to keep hydrated. You got to stay hydrated. Well, hey. All right. Well, Thanks for listening, everybody out there. And uh, Pat, Nazdrave. Nazdrave. <laughs> <laughs>